Thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, wow, exciting. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Dan, so thank you for being here uh, online, and thank you for being here in person. This is, uh, this is great. And, uh, oh, wow, that's my name. Okay. Um, okay, so what I'm going to talk about today is I want to start off with a simple question. What kind of story is Christmas? Because that's what we're doing right now. We're telling stories about what God has done in the past, what we hope God will do in the future. And, and even at this Christmas time, this is a good time for us to share stories about our families and, and what we've done. And, and, but I think it's important for us to, to ask ourselves a question, what kind of story is Christmas? Because it's so easy to get twisted right now because there's so much decoration and confusion of different kinds of stories and we're full of movies and television shows and all of these sorts of things that try and tell us what kind of story Christmas is. And I think it's easy for us to get confused. Um, my parents love those Hallmark Christmas movies. Does anyone familiar? Right, yeah. I don't understand them, to be honest, but I go to their house and this time of year, and they are always watching the Hallmark Christmas movies. And I know that there's hundreds of them, but in my mind, they're all the same. And the story is of a woman who works at an important place, and she is busy and has important job, and she has a boyfriend who's mean and uses too much hair product. And... But around Christmas time, she has to go home to save the Christmas barn or something. And, and she does that. And when she goes back home, she meets a guy that she used to know. But now he has a dog and is handsome. And he makes artisanal trucks or something. And, and then hijinks ensue. And then at the end of the movie... She realizes that city boyfriend is mean and has too much hair product. And she stays in small town at Christmas Barn with, with, with friend from childhood and his dog and his artisanal trucks. And, and we start to think that that's the kind of story that Christmas is, that Christmas is a romantic comedy where everything just turns out all right in the end. And the stakes are never really that high. But that's not the kind of Chris story that Christmas is at all when we read the Bible. When we read the Bible, Christmas is much more like a heist movie or a rescue movie or something like Ocean's Eleven. There's much more going on than simply a story about, about someone discovering meaning in their own life. It's, it's a rescue film where God breaks into our world to, be, to start to rescue us from all of the ways that we have destroyed it. And like every good heist plan, it starts off with pregnancies. Can we switch to the next slide? That's what you do, right? That's what you do if you're going to rescue the entire world. The first thing you do is you go and you get two pregnant ladies, right? That's, but that's the story. That's what God does in this story. We've already seen in, in Luke chapter 1 that God goes and he says to Zechariah in the temple, he's like, your elderly wife is going to get pregnant. And Zechariah is like, really? And, and yeah, that, and then he's not allowed to talk anymore. And, and then God also goes and tells Mary that you're going to become pregnant. And she's like, really? And then, yeah. And the angel says to her, so the Holy One 
will be called the son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. This is fascinating because God not only starts off his plan with two pregnancies, he makes these people partners. We have an elderly woman way beyond childbearing age who after all of the years finds herself with child. And we have a, a, a young woman, almost inappropriately young, finding herself pregnant out of wedlock. And in the midst of her loneliness being like, this burden is too great for me to bear, God says to her, actually, your, your cousin Elizabeth is in this too. And now, we don't just have single people, we've got a group together. We've got a team. And this starts to happen where Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. Can we go to the next slide, please? So Mary, in her being pregnant out of wedlock, goes to stay with her cousin. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we go to the next one? And in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is fascinating because all of a sudden, Mary and Elizabeth are now partners in a plan that is coming together. There is joy now where you can imagine that if an older woman met her young, younger, unmarried cousin coming to her pregnant, would she greet her with joy normally? No, of course not. But now, because she has experienced a miracle, she recognizes the miracle that is being experienced by Mary, and now they are co-conspirators together in a plan that God is bringing about to change the entire world. Because there's a clue in the way that Elizabeth talks right now. Elizabeth, led by the Holy Spirit, says to Mary, blessed are you among women. That's a really fascinating phrase. It only appears two times in the Bible. Once here, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed are you among women. You are going to give birth to the Messiah. And the other time it appears is in the book of Judges, chapter 5. And it's after this fascinating story. In the book of Judges, the people of Israel are being oppressed by the groups of people around them. And God, they have sinned against God, and God has allowed them to be crushed and oppressed. And they're having violence done to them, and they're, they're being stolen from, and, and, and all of this stuff is happening. And the military leader behind all this, his name is Sisera. And Sisera goes in battle against them, and there's a bit of a long story, and it's a fascinating story. You should definitely read it. But... Sisera goes in battle against the people of the Lord, and God gives victory to the people of the Lord. But Sisera, the main kind of oppressor guy, he managed to, manages to escape. And he ends up finding shelter and hiding in the tent of Haber the Kenite is his name. And his wife's name was Jael. And he says, I need you to give me some food, and I need you to hide me in your tent. And, and if the Israelites come looking for me, you need to tell them that, that I'm not here. And she's like, okay, you do that. I'm gonna, she gives him some food, she lies him down, and she tells him to go to sleep. And he goes to sleep, and then while he's asleep, Jael, 
picks up a tent peg and a hammer and drives it through his head into the ground and kills him, thus freeing the people of Israel from their oppressor. And in the next chapter, Deborah, the prophetess who was leading Israel at the time, says, blessed be Jael among women, because she took up the workman's hammer and the tent peg and drove it through Sisera's head. And when Mary shows up on the scene, the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth with the same words, saying, blessed are you among women because this child that is in you is going to bring freedom to our people. Like Martin already talked about, Mary and Elizabeth lived in a time where they had heard the promises of God, promises that, they, that, that their people were going to be blessed and that they were going to be free and that they were going to be prosperous and that, and that the whole nations would come and worship God with them, that they would be safe and have liberty and freedom from oppression. That was, those were all promises that they had been offered, but they hadn't seen them in their lifetime. What they had lived under in their lifetime was, was oppression. What they lived under in their lifetime was the crushing weight of an empire that did not value them, that did not care about them, that only cared about what, it could, what resources it could draw from the people of Israel and bring them back to Rome. And, they heard, but in, and that's what they lived under. But in the midst of that, they heard the promises of God that we're supposed to be free, we're supposed to be prosperous, we're supposed to be... We're supposed to be all of these things. These are the promises. But with these miracles that were happening inside them, these pregnancies that they had that they could not explain, these promises were now becoming plans. They had concrete proof growing inside them that God had not abandoned his people that God had not left, left them alone and, and forgotten them forever, but rather that God had a plan to bring about his purposes and he was starting it here and he was starting it now with the life that was growing inside them. It was a concrete representation that God was going to, that God was doing what he had said he was going to do. And that's why Elizabeth says, you are blessed among women. So I, that changes the way that we begin to think about the Christmas story because what Mary and Elizabeth had in their minds was something bigger than a jerk boyfriend in the city with too much hair product and a new handsome man who makes artisanal trucks. What they had on their minds was the saving of the entire world through the life that had been given to them. And this brought Joy, And now it makes sense in this context what Mary says next. Because what she says next, if we can go to the next one, Mary says this. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Can we go on? 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. There is a bigger plan going on that they are participating in, that God has invited Mary and Elizabeth to be co-conspirators with him. And this plan is dangerous for those in power because it results with the rich being sent away empty and rulers being brought down and the proud being crushed and it results in lifting up the hungry and the humble. This is the kind of plan that they were talking about. And this is where hope is not merely promises, hope has a plan. Hope has a plan that, that that fills the hungry with good things, that brings freedom to those who are in bondage. And the coming of the Messiah that we look forward to now, and what they were looking forward to, is a reminder that our hope is not merely a promise. It's not just words said by prophets long ago, and hopeful ideas, and nice things that we can put on walls and on placards and, and, and that make us feel good when we look at, look at them. Hope is a plan for the world to change drastically and have justice done for those who are being oppressed, to have the hungry filled with good things and have for those who are proud and, and happy with the way that the world is now torn down and God reigning now and forever. So when God announces his glory in the next chapter, When the angels announce what God is doing, they are not talking about promises. They are talking about a plan that glory to God in the highest and on earth for and on earth peace for on those who upon whom his favor rests. That's not a desire or a wish. That's a plan. It's a concrete event that is happening around them. In the birth of of Jesus, which will lead to the life of Jesus, which will lead to the death of Jesus, which will lead to the resurrection of Jesus. Hope has a plan for the redemption of the world. And that is the story, the kind of story that we are telling at Christmas. But if we're gonna remind ourselves of this, we need to remember that this plan is not yet finished. As much as Jesus came and salvation is secure and the work of salvation is finished, we still live in a world that we know is not yet fully the kingdom of God. There are pockets of this world where the will of God is not done. There are places of oppression that still exist. There are places of of evil that still exist. There are places of resistance to God's rule. And those places exist in the world and those places exist even in our, our own hearts. The plan is not yet done, but yet just like Mary and Elizabeth were invited and called to participate in this conspiracy, this rescue plan that God was bringing about, we have been invited into it as well. Can we go to the next? The stories that we are telling at Christmas are not, the plans that we are talking about at Christmas are not yet finished. You have a role to play in this. If you are drawing air into your lungs, God has a plan 
for you to participate in the rescue of the world that he is bringing about. This is confirmed to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10, for we are God's handiwork. Every single one of you, me, every single person watching, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, to do good works which God planned in advance for us to do. Hope has a plan, and that plan is us. Hope has a plan, and that involves us becoming who we have been called and created to be. Hope has a plan, and that involves us stepping out of what makes us, our lives simple and comfortable and easy and stepping into the adventure and rescue plan that God has called us to. Mary and Elizabeth were presented a very difficult problem. These pregnancies, as miraculous as they were that they were given, created a problem in their lives. It would have been easier for them to not participate. It would have been easier for them to not join in with the rescue that was, God was bringing about. And the reality is that is true for every single one of us as well. God is inviting us into his plan, which involves the rescue of the whole world. And it is gonna be difficult for us to step into that. It is gonna be uncomfortable for us to step into that. It is, going to be, it is going to be painful sometimes for us to step into that. But what we're promised on the other side is like Elizabeth had, unbelievable and unspeakable joy. Joy beyond what we could imagine because God's promises are becoming plans in our actions and what he has invited us to participate in. So I invite you at this Christmas time, I want you to celebrate all the ways that we want to celebrate. I want you to tell all the stories, watch all the Hallmark movies. But remember that the story that we are telling is not about ourselves and our own feelings and nice lights and having some nice presents and warm feelings around a table. The story that we are telling is about a rescue for a world that is lost and in danger. And God is inviting us, as he invited Mary and Elizabeth, God is inviting us to plan with him to change the world. I'd like you to stand and we can pray together. God, you have a plan. And I would like to repent of all of the times where I've distrusted your plan. I would like to repent of all of the times where I've forgotten that you know the plans that you have for us, plans to bring us hope in a future. And I've gotten distracted by fear and, and the visible things of this world. But at this time especially, I want you to remind us that you have a plan and that you are rescuing this world. And while this plan is not yet finished, your plan does not end until until every tear is wiped from every eye and there is no more mourning or crying or death for the old order of things has passed away and heaven crashes into earth and you are our God. That is where we are headed and I would like you to remind us of that today. Make that a truth that not only exists in our brains as fact but, but fills our spirits and our hearts and gives us purpose and intention. Give us the courage 
to join in your rescue plan. Give us the courage to step in to your conspiracy to uproot the entire world and make it into the world that you are calling it to be, that you created it to be. And show us how to participate in that joyfully. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord show his face to you and give you peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name.